Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the Kind Parenting Company, wife, proud mom of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode number 24. This evening, I have a very special guest with me. It is Dr. Libby Quinn. Now, Libby recently spoke with us at our most recent event, and it was such a pleasure to have her on board for the day, and she definitely left me wanting more. I wanted to hear more from her, I wanted to know more about her life, and just, I guess, really hear her philosophies and her wisdom surrounding all of the different topics that she works with day in and day out. So I'm sure that this won't be the last time we sit and have a chat, But I'm really, really excited to delve into this topic with Libby today. We are going to be talking about your core beliefs and unpacking why we have core beliefs and how they impact all of our life choices and the way we react and respond and engage and disengage as well. So it's a big topic and Libby's been here for a little while already while we kind of had a bit of a chat through it. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, Libby. It's really wonderful that you were able to take some time out of your busy life to share some content with all of our listeners. So before we dive in, could you please just tell everyone who is listening a little bit about who you are and what exactly it is that you do? Thank you so much for having me here tonight, Kylie. I'm really excited, I suppose, to, yeah, to shed more light on this topic because I think it's, it's such a big topic. For women. Um, so I'm a clinical psychologist and I am known as the women's psychologist on Instagram. I have been in private practice for 10 years. Um, I worked in Brisbane for five years in a really busy positive psychology practice. I moved down here to northern New South Wales to start my family. That was five years ago and I've worked for myself since then. And then it was only in the start of this year in January when I came back to work after having my second son that the women's psychology clinic was born and I suppose the backstory to that is following the birth of my second son who's now two I unknowingly developed postnatal anxiety and postnatal depression and in the haze of that I didn't really recognize in some ways what was going on for me and what I needed to do despite having all of the knowledge um, and it's all so of the experience hard to when you're in it. It is. Yeah. I, I was in that fishbowl. I couldn't see what, what I was in. Um, so that was just uh, probably maybe I could say now one of the best experiences of my life mm. for what that has now fueled in me in terms of being just such a huge desire to help women. And I imagine empathy as well because oh. all too often I think if you've not experienced any form of depression or anxiety – 
it can be hard to be really compassionate, but yes. when you've lived it, it does change the way that you respond. Absolutely. And it really, um, I suppose it, yeah, it almost just gave me that lived experience of a lot of what I knew theoretically and practically and what I would support other people with. Um, at just having that lived experience almost consolidated mm. so much more for me. And like I said, it fueled this fire in me, which is just driving everything for me from a work perspective. And your clinic has such a strong reputation down here. Like yes. Everyone you speak to, particularly yeah. within the industry, yes. they recommend you. So yes. it obviously speaks volumes. You're doing really well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, and I think it comes back to that whole truth. And, you know, I know you've spoken a lot about this, Kylie, but just that idea of when you find what you're passionate about or when life mm. pushes you in a certain way, which uncovers a passion for you, that is, it's so um, fulfilling yeah. to have and that. Often it is off the back of something yes. really challenging. Absolutely. So for those of you who are listening, if you're in, like, yes. in the pits and you're feeling like everything is really hard, you know, this could be squeezing you and shaping you for something great. Absolutely. And that's, again, I got to live that experience of everything I would preach previously, that adversity brings growth. That's a concept that I've been hearing a lot lately and just in podcasts that I listen to where people are talking about how one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to try and have hindsight in the current moment. Yes. Because once you get through those shitty moments and you look back, it's like for me with, you know, all of the hard things I've been through and I'm sure we'll go through in the mm. future, when you're on the other side of it, mm. you, you do have that gratitude. Oh, so it's trying to be grateful in the moment of going, yes. oh, if I was through this, what hindsight might I have? Yes trying to bring that in which is so much easier said than done absolutely it's it's hard to do and I think even for me what was potentially a saving grace through this adverse period of time for me was maybe having the knowledge and skills that I did have that whilst I did suffer through this I suppose you could say I also had this level of um acceptance that I knew it was going to end I knew it was an awareness and that um something was going to shift at some point in a positive direction that would put me on that upward spiral, so to speak. So, so it wasn't complete. I guess because you've worked with so many women, you mm. have that you, you have that evidence that you yes. could get through it, which yes. is really, really special. Yes, mm. yeah. And so you mentioned adversity and things being hard, and this topic is hard. Yes. Like, talking about core beliefs bringing awareness to the things that we believe to be true from our childhood Mm. and from every aspect of our life it's so hard to be I guess one even really understand what it is and to like define what Mm. your own core beliefs are so could you share with our listeners what is a core belief yeah in a nutshell yeah (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so a core belief I suppose and I said this to you earlier Kylie Uh, you know, if we had a childhood, we've got a set of core beliefs. So it's often, it's not just one core belief, we will have several core beliefs. So essentially a core belief arises from this really beautiful, and I call it beautiful because I think it it is fascinating. It's a beautiful interplay between our genetic blueprint and our early experiences. So our environment. Absolutely. It's that whole kind of nature nurture Mm -hmm. interaction that happens. And essentially, you know, if we're born with a sensitive temperament or a robust temperament, it's about in basic terms, how does that interact with the parenting that you're receiving? 
um, your early experiences of schooling, your relationships with your siblings or peers, any negative experiences as a child, all of that starts to form unknowingly in the subconscious this story or set of beliefs about yourself. Mm. And it's from that set of beliefs, I suppose, we our mind will then generate automatic thoughts and feelings that come from that. So that's our really surface-level thoughts that come to mind. So say you're trying to go about your day and do a task and you just say, oh, I just can't do that, I'm not capable, like that's a surface-level thought. Yeah. But it might be coming from a core belief under the surface. Would all surface-level thoughts be coming from a core belief? Well, I don't know if I would – that's a really good question. I don't know if I would <laughs> say all thoughts because you could have the thought of, am I going to have tuna for lunch or yeah, of course, yeah. Um, cheese, you know. So that's yeah, – there's a lot of thoughts we have that are kind of benign, mm-hmm. I suppose you would say. Um, but, you know, our mind will generate, I think the number is around sixty to 80,000 thoughts wow. in a day, which that number still blows my mind. Yeah. Like it's phenomenal. And a large portion of that are negative thoughts coming from our core beliefs. And what's fascinating about our core beliefs is it sits under the surface and it's almost like imagining like you've got this fictitious story, you've got this fictitious book that kind of it's deep within you And it's just kind of yelling out thoughts from that. And from those thoughts, we have feelings that come with that as well. And our thoughts shape our behaviors. Mm. And pretty quickly, if we've been listening to this story since a young age, over and over and over. That becomes our life. Becomes our life. And we believe it. And I love that you said a fictitious story. Like that's that's so key. We need to, we need to unpack that. (laughs) Because this is something I know myself to be mm-hmm. true. I certainly had, have, we, you know, like you said, no one gets out of childhood without core beliefs. But it wasn't until my early 20s that I started to really unpack some of those core beliefs. And then even now in my early 30s, I'm still unpacking yes. them. But you believe them to be true. Absolutely. Unless you have the awareness to be curious and question them mm. and look at them more like an observer. Mm. You just believe it to be true because that's all you know. Absolutely. So a problem that then arises is that people, if we listen to this story long enough, which we do because it stems from our childhood, we start to believe that it's our identity. Yes. So I'm sure you've even said it to yourself, Kylie. I've said it to myself. Everyone says it to themselves around this is just who I am. I'm just the kind of person that does X, Y, and Z. Oh, my goodness. That's such a big one. It's such a big one. Yes. I'm always late. Yeah. I'm not creative. Yes. I'm anxious. I'm shy. Yes. I'm a troublemaker. Yes. All of those things. Yes, absolutely. And it's here I want to make that distinction because it can be a little bit confusing that there's a difference between personality traits and core beliefs. Right. So personality traits, we are, if you think about it, it's kind of wired into our DNA. We're, we're born with that. There's an element that's hardwired in. Are you Like I'm a bit messy. <laughs> <laughs> that's hardwired in. That's hardwired in. Sorry. It is. It is. <laughs> she can't change that. No. Um, so there's things like, you know, introversion, extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness. They're just some examples of personality traits that you might be more prone to engaging in. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of born with that to an extent. But then what happens is a core belief is, is the thoughts you have about yourself. Right. So an example of, okay, well, let's take introversion. Okay, I've got, I've got that personality trait. I'm an introvert. 
But then I know for myself, I also developed a really strong story, a really strong core belief around, oh, I'm just a shy person. I'm meant to be really quiet. I'm not meant to put my opinion or voice out there. So that was a re- that's a strong story. That's a core belief. And that's different to the fact that maybe I have a personality trait of introversion. Yes. Does right. that make sense? It makes sense to me. So, you know, just, I guess, to go into that a little bit deeper, yeah. naturally you feel introverted, you feel introverted at your core, but then perhaps growing up you took on the identity of Libby's shy. Absolutely. Libby's quiet. Libby won't do that because yes. X, Y, Z. Yes. So then you have like the double whammy effect of going, yeah, that really Absolutely, that's me. And and because and this is what I find happens for a lot of people is that you might have those personality traits. Mm -hmm. And again, if your parents, of course, perceive that in you as a child, so you're going to get messages about that. You're going to get feedback from your environment in those early stages, which just consolidates and reaffirms and strengthens up this belief of this is who I am. So it's and that's when it becomes self-limiting. It's like just putting like another little layer of concrete on top of it, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Like you have this foundation and then and I, as I get older and, I, and now as a parent myself, mm. even like offhanded remarks, mm. like there are things that I remember from being really, really young that now I, I can see would likely have just been an offhanded remark, Absolutely. but I took it and I internalized it yes. and I carried it. Yes. For a really long time. So yes. it's just like you're just getting all these other layers on top, on top, on top. And then the foundation is so strong that you have the story and you don't know whether it is fictitious or not. That's exactly yeah. it. And that's such so a interesting point that our our core beliefs, yeah, they start off start off almost you could say as like a bit of a whisper. Mm. Like it's just under the surface there and it's brewing. But our core beliefs, they want to stay alive. That, that's their motivation. Yeah. They want to be validated. So it will steer your mind to look for evidence or to be drawn to situations where you're going to get that feedback coming back in. And then, of course, if that's the feedback that we're getting back in about that, then it just gains momentum. So is that like when they, you know, I've heard people use the term confirmation bias. Yes. So when you think something's true, you're going to find the evidence. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And potentially put yourself subconsciously in situations to have that evidence pop up. Yes, absolutely. And that's where it's almost, sometimes it can be a hard thing to get your mind across, but just this idea that our core beliefs are so powerful that they draw us into people that will confirm that. Mm. for us and it's a really fascinating phenomenon to see in relationships and relationship patterns I bet as well yeah Yeah, I can see yes and something I shared with Libby before we started recording was I during my childhood I felt very betrayed by a female in my life and so through my teens and my 20s I was always looking for confirmation that I couldn't trust women So I would, like I was saying to Libby, I would put myself in these situations where I would have faux friendships because it's like I needed to believe that that was real. Absolutely. And it's not even until recently, probably the last 18 months to two years that I've delved into that a bit more and gone, Mm. you know what, that was a belief from when I was like a little girl, Mm. but it's really impacted so much of my life. Yes. But being aware of it now... 
I had to really make a mental shift and go, you know what, I'm not going to look for women to let me down Mm. and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And it's really, really changed the friends that I have in my life now Mm. as a 32-year-old versus the friends that I was bringing into my life as a 22-year-old. Absolutely. And and that's how powerful core beliefs are is that it quite literally shapes your world. Yeah. And something Libby mentioned before we started recording as well is if you feel triggered or you Mm. act in a way that is larger Mm. than you probably should, like how would you explain that? Yeah. So I suppose a good cue around, well, when is my core belief being activated? When am I acting from that place of a core belief because they're not always activated they're not always on in a sense sometimes we are in our what we would say our healthy adult mode yeah um but there's lots of instances where we're not in our healthy adult mode and it's our core belief it's that kind of inner child or inner adolescence or inner 20 year old that's being (laughs) activated um and we know that that's being activated a good cue is when you feel you have a response whether that be behaviourally um, or emotionally, that's disproportionate to what's actually happening. So when it's like irrational. When it's irrational, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's funny you say that because I found myself in that exact situation. Yeah. Probably about not even that long ago, I reacted irrationally to yes. something that a woman had done and that was like a huge light bulb moment mm. for me and I was like, oh, there it is. Yes. There it is. That's yes. what I was looking for. Yes. And now it's happening. So yes. oh, I love I love that because if you can become aware of when you're being irrational, that's like shining a torch. Absolutely. And that's probably, it's when, I I think it's one of our best ways of almost uncovering our core beliefs because you're kind of able to see it happening in real time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the patterns. Our core beliefs are these destructive patterns that we continue to act within thinking, this is just who I am. This is just how I respond. And it's, yeah, a big emotional response that's disproportionate is a great cue to just, it's like a big alarm bell Yeah, <laughs> saying, hello, I'm your core belief over here. I'm the younger version of you acting out. And it, again, if you think about it, if we act in that way, we're going to get the behavior we want from someone else to confirm yes. that core belief. Yeah. So it's safe. Even Absolutely. Though it's, even though it's what we don't want, it's Absolutely. keeping us safe because that's what we believe to be true. Yes. So let's find that in the world. Yes. So for those listening, really thinking about when are you irrational? When when do you feel triggered? When do you feel a really strong sense of outrage? Because that is a chance to look within at what your core belief is or it's being activated. Um, how else would people find out their core beliefs? Yes, this is a great question. Uh, because as we were saying before, sometimes we might have that knowledge and insight and awareness. And even if we do, we still might struggle to understand that. But I think there's a lot of us getting around out here without the understanding of yeah. what our core beliefs and how do we find that. So I think it's trying to notice, yeah, what are my big responses? What are my big emotions that are coming out? I would say grab a journal <laughs> and do a bit of self-reflective practice in terms of what are the... Which is so uncomfortable. It is so uncomfortable. Oh, my gosh, it's confronting. Shopping for shoes is a lot more fun. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's... But this is what we talk about, like, doing the work. Mm. And this kind of work at this deeper level is so critical for us creating the life we want. You know, if we don't do this work, 
we're not going to get the life we want. We're not going to break free of these patterns. So it's that whole, um, you know, I know a friend of mine will often say, you know, no grit, no pearl. Like we've, we've got to yeah. do the work to yeah. get a, a different space in our life to create a different Absolutely. life. Yeah. So I always lean on saying it's the pain versus pleasure. Yeah. So the pain of actually going, oh, fuck, I need to do this work. I need to yes. get a journal out and I need to really look at myself yes. and be brutally honest, yes. which is uncomfortable, could be worth the pleasure or will be worth the pleasure of having that breakthrough of getting to know yourself, yeah, changing your patterns and living the life that you want to live. Absolutely. And so some questions maybe to ask yourself is, yeah, what are the self-destructive patterns that I find myself in? Just what are the patterns that I don't like mm-hmm. that I keep falling into? And I would say that's probably a good indicator that that's some core beliefs that are being activated. A big core belief that a lot of people experience is that I'm not good enough. Mm. Core belief, particularly for women, there's one around self-sacrificing, so I need to always make sure other people are okay. Me too, the Absolutely. Yeah. Um, perfectionism, perfectionism, as we said before, is a big one too. So it's trying to see what are the patterns that I'm getting stuck in um, and also were there any big life events as a child or adolescent uh, that may have shaped these core beliefs in you right because I'm sure from for you from the outside looking in it can be really obvious yeah you know someone will say I you know growing up I always had to be perfect and I'm a perfectionist now and for you that's easy to connect the dots yes you know yeah you go oh okay well to be loved in your household you felt that you had to be perfect and now as an adult you still carry that burden absolutely but when you're living it Yes. It can be really hard to it's so hard join to the dots. Absolutely. Because you're you're in it and you're taking it as truth and it's a habitual pattern mm. that you've been doing for like since you were so young. Yeah, so it's all you know. It's all you know, absolutely. So some other things to ask yourself is yeah, what were the messages that I received from mum and dad about who I am or who I'm meant to be in this world? Uh, what did I feel I had to do to get love and acceptance? Oh, my gosh, that question, and I know I keep jumping in, but I'm so fascinated by this because I heard in a Tony Robbins video or something like that, he said, who did you have to be for your mum to love Mm. you? And, oh, my gosh, that was like I can remember it. I was listening to that video Mm. while I was getting ready, and it just hit me. Yeah. And I thought that question is big. Yes. And it gives you so much insight. Absolutely. For me, and, you know, I'll share a little bit, but I felt that growing up for my mum's love, I had to be anxious and in need. So that's a pattern Mm. that I carried on. Mm. Like for me to feel loved, I thought, oh, I had to be like a little bit damaged. Yes. You know, and I'm not saying that came directly from anything my parents did, but it was just my perception of what I needed to be. Absolutely. And that was for my mum. And that's just, that's so interesting. Yes. And it's, it's, yeah, it's true what you said about just hearing Tony Robbins say that thing about, you know, what did you have to do to get your mother's love? And that big well of emotion yes. comes up. Again, a great indicator of, okay, whoa, that just like cuts through to the core belief. Like what, what is it? And that's essentially where it comes from. It's those messages that, we received from our parents and this is where I want to also just make a point around it's not pointing the blame at our parents that's not the um the point of this exercise but it's having this appreciation for the vulnerability of a child's mind yes and the uh I suppose 
again, a child's mind under the age of five, the absence of cognitive development and how they're perceiving things, especially if we know that, you know, children are born into the world, a lot of children with a sensitive temperament, they're vulnerable, they don't yet have the cognitive development to make sense of things. That's so right. if mum and dad just make some little offhand comments, if you get praise for, you know, always doing the right thing yeah. or which, again, it's just a reflexive pattern that people do the whole good boy good girl yes and it is it's little things that yes are just offhand it could be as simple as well done you ate all of your dinner Mm. so then you grow up thinking that you always have to polish off everything that's put in front of you so that you get that praise absolutely dangling the carrot yes yeah so it's really um yeah it's being able to reflect back on just what were those messages that mum and dad were trying to send to me unknowingly you know they course, were just and it's passed down from their parents too exactly and that's I think a beautiful thing now in this day and age is there is so much more awareness so many more conversations whereas you know 30 years ago 40 years ago 50 years ago mm-hmm. not so much not yes. as easy to access this info yes and like you said no one gets out of childhood unscathed no. we all have something <laughs> absolutely and it's even um so it's important to acknowledge just, again, with trying to uncover these core beliefs that there's three different ways that we actually respond or cope to our cope with our core beliefs. Okay. So we can either unknowingly, we surrender to our core belief and we just go, yep, I'm just going to act in line with my core belief, or we might avoid it. So we might try to do the exact opposite to it to try and kind of numb that out right. in a sense. Or a really good one is we might overcompensate. So an example of that might be someone who's got a really strong core belief of I'm not good enough. And you might see them putting on a lot of bravado or ego or really kind of puffing out their own chest. And you can see it's kind of in some ways it's not coming from a good place, if that makes sense. And it's because they're just they've got that wound underneath, they've got that core belief underneath that I'm not good enough and that's their way of they're trying to cope with it. Another one which tricks people up is perfectionism. Yes. So I might say to a client, I might say, well, what you've described to me, it's sounding like there is the core belief of perfectionism and they will say to me, you should see the state of my house. You should see, you know, how I get about day to day. I am absolutely not a perfectionist. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky because especially for perfectionism, it's we're holding ourselves to such high standards that it's actually unattainable. It's impossible. It's impossible. And, again, that's an example of avoidance, doing the exact opposite to it, that our mind says, I really, really want to be perfect and that's how I get love and acceptance, but that's way too hard. So I'm going to do the exact opposite. Right. Um, So it gets a little bit tricky sometimes. It is fascinating. Yes. Yeah. But I think a good starting point, if we just, yeah, clear all of that up in terms of if you're trying to uncover your core beliefs, come back to just reflecting on what are your destructive patterns that you Mm. find yourself in. Um, yeah, where so journaling those out, journaling those out, and thinking back to when I was a child, what were some big emotions I felt, or if I go back to my younger self, what was it that she really needed? Yeah, what did she really need, and how did she hear? get it? And how did she get it? Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. So once we have an awareness of what our core beliefs might be, then where? Where to from there? Like, is it possible to reshape them 
or is it just learning to live with them? Yeah, great, great question. And I suppose, yeah, the the first answer to that is it's so possible to reshape them and it's so empowering. And I suppose this is why this is an area of my practice I'm so passionate about because it's what allows people to really become unstuck and create this life that they really want and create a life that's in line with their values. Absolutely. And it's so possible. So yeah, essentially it's starting with what we were just saying, getting that understanding. And then I would say even continuing on that journaling note, it doesn't have to be sentences. I'm a fan of just dot points, but just asking yourself, what did my little self need? Mm. And something will come up, you know, it might be okay. Well, she needed to just know that she was loved no matter what. She didn't have to excel at school or she was, she had other character traits that were really impressionable and wonderful about her beyond her appearance. Mm. And I think when it does come to doing this sort of work, because I have women reach out to me all the time Mm. saying, I want to make these changes, but I don't know how to. I think sometimes and tell me if, I, if I'm wrong, if you've experienced mm. this as well, but women have a fear of being silly. They don't mm. want to write down a silly answer. So when it comes to sitting down and journaling, just write what comes to you. Absolutely. There's no right, there's no wrong, no one's going to look at it, you don't Absolutely. need to post it, you don't need to share it. You know, and it might sound silly to you. Yes. But get uncomfortable. Well, absolutely. It comes back to that point that, you know, in order to change, we've got to experience discomfort. We mm. are not going to get true true change unless we experience the discomfort. So, and it's also really powerful when we see our thoughts on paper because it allows us to see them for what they are. It helps us More get an observer. Absolutely. It gets us into that observer mind, which helps us to assess okay, these are the thoughts that run through my mind. These are the big emotions that come up. And we start to, and this is a really critical step, by writing them down, we start to see them that they are in fact separate to us. That it does come from this book that sits within you that isn't you. Yes. You've come to believe over time that it is you, but it's not. It's a storybook sitting there that you listen to and you believe and you operate out of. And when we see that on paper, we, we start to form that separation. And I guess that allows you the chance to be curious. Absolutely. Is this true? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say, again, when we start to write down what's my core belief, what's my story, what were my unmet needs, we want to be able to also validate ourselves. And this might be an example of where people might feel silly yeah. for doing that. And my response to that is, that's okay to feel silly. And it's it's a necessary step. So our relationship with ourselves, that dialogue with ourselves is critical for moving forward. We don't get the growth we want unless we can be self-compassionate, unless we can kind of reparent ourselves, Mm -hmm. unless we can validate ourselves and say, it's okay that you felt that way and that you have that need. And so when you say validate, how Mm -hmm. how do you validate yourself? So say you've written down, I had a belief that I wasn't smart. Yeah. Do you literally say to yourself or write down to yourself, you were smart because you could do X, Y, Z. Like what does validation look like? So validation is being able to say essentially to yourself, you know, I understand that that really hurt. So you're wanting to focus on the emotion. You're you're able to say to yourself, I understand that that really hurt for you as a child, that you feel the only way you got love was through 
um, getting your parents' approval for doing well at school and that that's not all of who you are. Mm. And so you're, it's trying to soothe yourself. Because there's so I much power in just feeling seen. Absolutely. So just feeling seen by yourself and understood. Absolutely. And, and we can do that. So a lot of people might say, oh, my gosh, do I really have to go that deep? And that's a whole lot of fluffy stuff or whatever. But it's, it's really critical for moving forward. It's mm. because we continue these patterns because of an unmet need. So we want to soothe the emotion. We want to say to ourselves, it's okay that I feel that way. So So rather than suffocating it or continuing to bring it to the surface, it's just making peace with that it is what it is. Absolutely. It soothes that emotion. Mm, Makes sense. And and again, you can do that in your day-to-day life if you find yourself having a big emotional response to something and you go, oh, that's that core belief. I feel so silly. To in that moment to be able to soothe yourself and say it makes sense mm. that this feeling has come up. It's okay that that's come up. And when you say soothe yourself, that is parenting yourself, like we spoke about before we recorded. Absolutely, absolutely. It's yeah. It's we're we're kind of becoming that parent dialogue for ourselves, and and it's that internal relationship with yeah. ourselves to allow us to. And this is the next step of, I suppose, developing our healthy adult mode. I love that. Healthy adult <laughs> mode. Can we have more of that, please? <laughs> it's a button to I hit. know. Yeah. Can we just activate healthy adult mode? 100%. <laughs> but it's a nice way of describing and differentiating between essentially our core belief and that gets activated. You could say that that's your inner child you know being activated that's your younger version of yourself and a lot of people report they're almost childlike well it's pulling you back it's a regression like a regression of sorts because it's taking you out of the current moment the current situation and that one thing that's happening and what it's doing is it's pulling you back into all the other things that you believe to be true absolutely so this is yeah this is where it's kind of the next strategy i would say after you've soothed yourself and validated yourself and acknowledged what your unmet needs were even again you can write it down if that helps you or just start to think about what would my healthy adult mode do in this Mm. situation so an example might be of someone with the i'm not good enough belief and an opportunity or lots of opportunities come up for that person and they have the automatic thoughts of, oh, I'm not good enough. That's not for me. I'm just not even going to put myself out there. No, just turn it down straight Turn away. it down. Absolutely. And then that core belief gets nice and validated and that person feels nice and safe Yeah, because it's familiar. Um, so a way, you know, that's actually a key point in time to say, hang on a second. Before I let the core belief. Are you going to hit my button? Yes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to activate I love the, that. the healthy adult mode and... I'm going to ask myself, okay, this is my core belief calling the shots here. It Mm. wants me to say no to this opportunity. It wants to keep itself safe. It wants to keep me in this space of feeling like I'm not good enough. Thank you, story. Thank you, core belief. Yeah. Maybe you've served a purpose in the past, but you don't serve a purpose. Right now. Right now. Not in this situation. Not in this situation. So I'm going to go into my wise mind. And this is something that it's good to point out. We all have a wise mind. Yes, okay. We all have this ability to think, what would be a rational thing to do in this situation? Mm. What If I was in my wise mind, what would I do right, right now? We all can access that. that wise it's mind. just it's a, a choice. choice. It's a choice. And yeah. it's a matter of, again, it's only a practice. It's a practice, yes. <laughs> Let's more, be honest. The more we open that up, then, yeah, the more automatic that pattern becomes. But it, ha- it can be tricky. I love that. To start with. I love 
I love the healthy adult mode yes. and the active, like actually going into your wise mind. Yes. Very powerful. Absolutely. And just hearing you share that scenario, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but picture like two years ago, I was in a similar situation mm-hmm. with I was invited to be part of a cotton on body mm-hmm. photo shoot for Mother's Day. And there was this part of me that was like, mm, you know, it's all models. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be models there. You're a mum of twins. Like, do, you know, I don't know. And again, it must have been a I'm not good enough. Yes. And I had that moment of going, oh, if I say no to this, mm-hmm. then that's going to just perpetuate more of the same thing. Absolutely. So I was like, you know what? Thank you. But I'm going to say yes. yes. Even though I was a bit like, oh gosh, I'm going to be at a photo shoot with like a really well-known makeup artist. And, you know, I'm sure he's only used to doing makeup for models mm. and I'm just a mum. but I'm going to say yes. Mm. And then that will bring more opportunities that way. Yes. And that will be more growth. More growth. Absolutely. And I can remember that really, really clearly. Yes. And I just think that's that's exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. And and within that, I think that really highlights the importance of we are wired as humans to stay safe. Mm. That's biologically inbuilt in us from many years gone by where we operated off that primal system and we don't need to now. So our brains are wired to keep us safe and anything out of what's familiar it feels unsafe. There's a level of anxiety that it's gets triggered. There's threat, mm. absolutely. And it's learning. This is a critical thing I try to encourage in all of my clients and I try to practice it myself daily is tolerating discomfort, tolerating anxiety, tolerating fear mm. because it is so true that we don't get the growth that we want. We don't get the life that we want. We don't get to see that we are so capable and have so much potential Unless we're willing to tolerate to the edge and be uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yes. And that reminds me of something I say to myself when I'm feeling uncomfortable is often it's the problem of not wanting to be uncomfortable is actually worse than being uncomfortable. Absolutely. So it's going, oh, the feeling of I need to get rid of this yes. is actually worse than just going, I feel yes. anxious or this makes me nervous or I feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. It's this call to try and rid yourself of that problem. That yes. It's worse. Yes, and and that's exactly what our brains try to do is they try to, we want to avoid discomfort at all costs. Mm. So our brains, that's when we go into avoidance mode and escape and we just try and, you know, self-select out of opportunities, I suppose, and that just perpetuates that core belief underneath of I'm not good Good enough. enough. Yeah, Yeah. and you get in the habit of building the case file. Exactly. Of why not. Exactly. So I'm sure every woman can relate to that. Like you have the opportunity or whatever it might be, but you just start mentally listing out all the reasons why not. Absolutely. And and your mind, yeah, it just can draw on all this evidence of, well, see, I'm not good enough because I didn't say yes to this opportunity and so and so did, or whatever it might be, it it can draw on that. So I think within that of of just saying about discomfort, it is also helpful to acknowledge like what you were saying there, Kylie, of just what discomfort is, is its thoughts in our mind. Plus a physiological response in our body. So we need to put discomfort back in its place. (laughs) I love that. It's it's so overwhelming, discomfort, Mm. and it's such a, it's our, you know, this sensory overload. Like when you get the feeling in your stomach and your heart's racing or you're sweating and then you're having those thoughts. And I guess you just want to get rid of it. Absolutely. And, And it's acknowledging this comes back to that idea of just labeling things for what they are. Mm. 
So when we can put things down on paper, it helps to give us clearer perspective. It helps us to go, well, this is just a thought. This is just a bunch of words that my mind is holding on to. And that physiological response of discomfort, it's just a physiological response. It's I don't have to be scared of the discomfort. Yeah. And almost I now really try to encourage in all of my clients and, and I practice this daily of just inviting discomfort in. Mm. It's here for this journey yeah. of life and I want more and I want every woman to want more and to, to have more. Because inevitably it serves you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the more we run from it, the more it will probably chase us. Exactly. Yeah, it comes to <laughs> get it bigger. It's, and that's why I can often say, you know, it's a matter of choosing your discomfort. Mm. Do you want the discomfort which has growth behind it? Or do you want the discomfort from avoiding growth? Mm. You're going to get discomfort. Yeah, that's it. You, so, yeah, you can't live your life without it. Absolutely. Because when we avoid things enough we then feel really horrible within ourselves. That's a level of discomfort that's so overwhelming in itself. And I guess that comes back to, you know, I saw your post on Instagram and the beautiful, what would you call those things that you put in a goodie bag? Like little plaques. yes, yes. That say you get to choose. Yes. That is so powerful, just reminding yourself you get to choose. Absolutely. And, And that's probably, you know, our next really good segue into what another good strategy is is just really acknowledging that you know by writing these thoughts down these stories these core beliefs the unmet needs being able to see it as it's something that's so separate to you and you can choose when those thoughts come up mm-hmm. when those surface level thoughts come up to say I'm not good enough and I shouldn't take this opportunity that's your moment in time where you can say do I want to believe this yeah every cell in my body is screaming that I should believe this because I always have but actually you know I'm in this moment right now and and what do I want do I want to keep believing it or listening to it or do I want to place it next to me Mm. and say that's okay you're there but I'm going to operate from a place of the healthy adult mode and my wife's mind and my wife's mind absolutely and a place from what I value. Yes. So when we can identify our values and live from that place, we're more likely to be living from our authentic self, our true self. And to build those success habits. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know myself, I did a lot of work with cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm. And once I identified my values mm. and then understood that I could question thoughts yes. and I could disconnect thoughts from actions, Yes, that was the biggest game changer of my life and it still serves me every day absolutely and I think that that's it's just a critical strategy for every woman or every person to gain is just this idea of you are not your thoughts Mm. and we don't get to choose if thoughts come up in our mind it's our mind's job to generate thoughts and whatever flavor they might be we don't get to choose that but we do get to choose whether we want to keep listening to them and if we want to them. act on them. Absolutely. Or we can just say, no, I don't want to operate from that place. It doesn't what, serve me. It doesn't serve me. Yeah. yeah. And the more you do that, the quicker you get at it and the better you get at it. Absolutely. Because I can remember at first it took me a really long time. Yes, 100%. And that's that's just it. It's, it's really hard mm. to change these patterns. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that you can do it seamlessly. Wake up tomorrow and be... Absolutely. Absolutely. It's hard to rewire this stuff, but what we know about the brain, which I think helps to add to 
the evidence as to why we should mm. try to encourage change is that our brains are what we call plastic. They're malleable. There's so much research to support neuroplasticity. So if we almost imagining that as you're starting to try and generate a new thought and a new behavior associated with that, it's like your brain trying to lay down a new neural pathway. So you need to strengthen it. You've got to strengthen it. It's going to be, it's not going to run so efficiently and quickly mm. at first, but almost visualizing, okay, I'm laying down that track, that foundation. And almost like we said at the start of the podcast with when you're little, you put another layer of concrete on top of it. Yes. So you can do that again, but in Absolutely. a positive way. So we're going to you know, put some pavers on this one. Yeah. We're going to get it a bit stronger. Yes. I love that. Yes. And it's fascinating how, yeah, again, just the same way that you're destructive or negative core beliefs have gained momentum over time you can generate a healthier core belief with healthier responses and behavioral patterns that opens your life and your mind up to growth Mm. by generating new thoughts and the way we generate new thoughts is talking to ourselves essentially that's it yeah and just i guess learning and having the awareness absolutely and that then generating a thought leads to feelings and actions so when you take that action you then get this evidence coming back in that says oh my goodness I took that opportunity and I I survived I survived I nailed it yeah and I'm going to take that evidence back in to say that I am so capable that's it and so that then starts to be the place that you operate from yeah one of my favorite quotes is you have evidence and that mm. builds confidence. Yes. So it's build the evidence, build the confidence. And that's how you build the confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. So I feel like, yeah, I hope that helps to explain just that it can be hard to do to start off with, mm. but it's so worthwhile yeah. taking those steps. And the biggest take-homes from that of just that we have to take bold action yes. to, to challenge these negative core beliefs. We've got to take action, generate thoughts that will dispute these negative core beliefs. And expect it at times to be a little uncomfortable. Absolutely. But like you said, you choose your discomfort. Yes. That's your right. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Amazing. So just a quick one. Yes. To finish up on. (laughs) So obviously it's a goal for a lot of us to really live a life with a lot more joy and vibrancy. And doing all of this work will help us to get there for mm-hmm. sure. But sometimes in life it just feels like it isn't always possible to mm-hmm. make the time and space, particularly when you live a busy lifestyle, you've got young kids or you mm-hmm. work full-time or what it is. So as a clinical psychologist, is there one simple strategy that mums or dads can implement on a daily basis to improve the joy and vibrancy in their life? Yes, I love this question. And I would say maybe not just one, but a couple of some really just practical, straightforward things you can do. So the first one is to meet yourself where you are, which might sound odd, but again, it starts with that self-compassion and having self-acceptance and just saying, all right, I'm not living my life the way I really want to be living. I'm having you know, periods of depression or anxiety, or I'm not managing my kids that well, but I need to meet myself where I am. 
I need to accept that this is where I am right now and maybe I don't like all of it and that's okay. I don't have to like all of this experience, but I need to just say, okay, this is where I am. So it's kind of just dispelling the BS that you might be telling yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And and trying to say, you know, it moves us into a space of self-compassion rather than continuing to be really negative towards ourselves, which, you know, that doesn't get us anywhere. No, really. So it's meeting yourself where you are, having that self-compassion, I think, yeah, in line with having more vibrancy and joy, it's really important to set realistic expectations for where you are. And I know you talk about that idea of seasons. Yeah. So particularly in parenthood, there's lots of different seasons we all go through and it's really important, you know, building on that, meeting yourself where you are to say, well, what's realistic for me to achieve at the moment? Absolutely. Because if you have a newborn, you're not going to be able to go and go to Bali for five yes. days and do a meditation Absolutely. retreat and journal your heart out. Absolutely. So it's just saying um, in my realistic expectations for the day might be, okay, I just want everyone to be fed and watered, to try and get some good sleeps for the kids, um, to put a load of washing on and to just try and be in the moment a couple of times with my kids. That is great. Yeah, and then, then you feel successful. Absolutely. We've spoken about this so many times. You have to redefine what success is yes. for where you are in life because if you're running around town as a new mum but you believe success mm. to be climbing the corporate ladder, oh. each and every day you're going to feel like a complete failure. When you're not, you're doing an amazing job. Absolutely. So it's just reframing and going, yes. like you said, what's realistic? Yes. and, what's and success what's, to me today? Absolutely. For, for that season in life and, and that's okay and it's when we just kind of lower that bar and, and acknowledge it's temporary. I think mm. that's also really important. That's the idea of giving things through seasons. It's yeah. temporary. It's not your forever. Yeah, and not even lowering, just moving. Absolutely. Like moving the goalposts. Moving the goalposts, absolutely. And I think, yeah, within that, a big one for how do we get more calm and vibrancy and joyous parents is about coming back to um, trying to bring yourself into the moment So I know for a lot of mums in particular, they're like, oh, I know I should meditate and I should do yoga. And again, it's like, is that realistic with the long laundry list of things we should do? Absolutely. And that's where I'm really big on how do we just integrate it? You're with the kids. You've got kids on you. You need to look after your mind within this. How do you integrate that? And that's where this idea of what I call mindfulness on the fly of just be mindful with your children. Yeah. Look at them as though you're looking at them for the first time or the last time. Oh, that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. And that yeah. that that That'll brings whip you, you straight into that, that moment. Yeah. Straight into that moment and it allows you to just go, well, this is all I can influence right now. Is just being in this, this moment. This is where I am. This is where I am. Absolutely. And that bringing ourselves into that moment enhances our our joy, our sense of calm, the vibrancy of life is you're just pulling yourself right into mm-hmm. that moment. And I find that that's a good question is just saying if I was looking at them for the first time or the last time. How would I look at them? What would I take I look in? At them? Yeah. What would I notice about them? And you can do the same with, you know, obviously where we live, Kylie, we're pretty lucky with all the nature and everything oh, around it's us. It's just a hideous <laughs> place to live. It's, it's a terrible job that we've got to do this. But Wherever you are, I would say um, being out in nature as much as you can. There's lots of research to support that that helps our mood. Mm. And particularly while you're in nature, again, with the kids, it's great for the kids. Be mindful of where you are. 
notice the shape of the trees, the shape of the clouds, the wind on your face, you know, Mm. just becoming aware, you're just enhancing the vibrancy of Mm. that moment. And that looks after our mood. That's something I always think about when I think of my favorite age with the kids so far. Not that, you you know, it's hard to pinpoint a favorite Mm. age, but like when they were two, and yes. they were fascinated by just ants. Yeah, you know? we just sat outside and we watched ants, and I can remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, they actually are really fascinating." <laughs> like I'm watching these ants. Like I've not seen an ant so closely. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, <laughs> and they do. They just bring you into the moment. Exactly. And of course, you can't be, you know, super mom, super present every minute of every day. Yes. But just going, you know what? Today, I'm going to try my best to really experience a couple of moments where I'm really super present. Yes. And just get a feel for it. Absolutely. And and that comes back to that idea of having realistic expectations. And I think I mentioned this at the event the other day, the importance of aiming for good enough. And good mm. enough doesn't mean we're lowering the bar and we should be aiming higher. Good enough just means how much do we need to do that our children feel loved and we feel like we're doing a good enough job. Without breaking our backs. Without breaking our backs, yeah. absolutely, with the resources you have at the time and yeah. they might be pretty minimal. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. And and that's where I feel like there's a big discrepancy that exists in mothers of today in their mind where unknowingly women are aiming for this 100% shot rate (laughs) at responsivity and sensitivity to their children. We've got all this knowledge and information about how to be really amazing parents. Mm. And we then unknowingly put put pressure on ourselves that we have to be meeting all of their requests, all of their demands. Mm. And what the research tells us is for a secure attachment, we only need to be meeting that 30 to 50% of the time. But yeah, and when you said that at the event, I think everyone let out a massive exhale. Yeah. We were all like, oh, okay. it's fine. Absolutely. This is fine. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know for me when I had my first son that I no housework got done, like barely any housework got done because I felt I had to play with him, be with him pretty much Stimulate every moment of yeah. the day. Absolutely. And it took a few years um, probably with the birth of my second one that put, put things into line of just, you know, I it was unrealistic yeah. for me to be there for every moment mm. with him because, yes, the washing did need to get done and I did need to go to the bathroom you do need and to eat. you do need to eat and yeah. it's okay to call a girlfriend or to, you know, go to a doctor's appointment and flick through a magazine while they're playing at your feet. Like you're not causing harm. Yeah, and it's doing good for that. them. It's good for them. Yeah. Absolutely. That was something Brad said at the event about, yes. you know, I'm sure there are a lot of women here in this room who their children are being cared for by mm-hmm. someone else and just know that that is enriching mm-hmm. their life experience. Mm-hmm. And, again, so many women at the end of the event were like, oh, I just felt so great yes. after hearing that because, you know, I have been worried about how my baby, my toddler, my child is going because they're at the neighbours or they're with my mum or they're somewhere that they're not normally. But reframing it and going, yes. oh, it's not me punting them off. It's actually a chance for them to learn how other people do things. Yes. Learn how to be in a different environment. Absolutely. And and great exposure for them of tolerating discomfort. Yeah. You know, of getting comfortable yeah. without mum always there. And that's healthy Yeah, and that's for something them. that I think... I wish we'd done more of mm. with the boys. I mean, there's yeah. always going to be something of that you course. look back on and you're like, oh, yeah, I would do that slightly different. Yeah, I don't lose sleep over it. But I'm like, you know what? I probably could have given myself 
a bit more permission yes to just be like that's good for them yes yeah yes absolutely and I think also just adding to okay what are maybe some more things you can do as a parent to enhance that joy and vibrancy and calm and I know you talk about this Kylie and I think it's just so powerful of just what are some small things you can do in your day while you've got children hanging off you that make you feel good oh it's the little things it really is you don't need to go to the Maldives or yes Bora Bora or whatever it is like I mean amazing if you be nice totally I would love to be there but in reality you don't have to starve yourself from all of the things that make you happy just because you're a mum. You just have to redefine and make them achievable. Yes, redefine. And I think what's critical to that is, again, it's reframing things that what happens for a lot of parents, particularly mothers, is that when they're kind of thrown into motherhood and they're in that stage of trying to figure out who am I Mm. as a person, who am I as a mother, how does this all mix and I was speaking to Lorraine about this at the event with that term um, called matrescence, which is essentially like adolescence for mothers. Oh, my gosh. We need to <laughs> do a whole other episode absolutely. on that. Absolutely. It's amazing the information and, and research around that, but it's a phenomenon, yeah. you know, that we go through as mothers. And I think what mothers forget, and I definitely did, and what's caused a lot of pain for me but I've learned so much from is just that, when you become a mother, you're you're still a person. Mm. Which sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. But but women be, forget be concept. It. It's yeah, absolutely. And women forget it because if you think about what you've just gone through with delivering a baby, all of the hormones flooding yeah. your body, and again, the hormones flooding your body, particularly oxytocin, is telling your body and your mind that you need to have your baby with you at all times, which is great. Like it's a, it, it needs to be it there. It serves its purpose. It serves its, its purpose. purpose. But again, it's how our brain interprets that. And yeah. then it's the core beliefs you have about how that interacts with mm. those hormones and that experience that for someone who has perfectionism, um, and in my case, I definitely did, there was that under the surface of to be the perfect mom, I have to be doing all of this. I've got to have... I'm going to be sacrificing. You've got to be a martyr. Absolutely. Yeah. And in that, I see it happens with so many women is they do come out the other side of that going, who am I? And I'm not looking after my needs as a person. And if you're not looking after your needs as a person, you're not looking after your mental health. Yeah. And it's hard to be the mum you want to be. Absolutely. It's really hard to be, like, let alone like obviously you as a person. But like you said, if you're not looking after your mental health, mm you're not going to be showing up in the way that you want to show up. So it starts with you first. Absolutely. And that's where I think what we're we're both trying to talk about here, Kylie, I feel like we're definitely on the same page, is just that it's about finding the small things. It's about integrating small actions into your day that say, hey, I'm still a person and I matter. Yeah. And a nice example of that, I think, is when women can carve out space in their home for themselves. Yes. Because it's actually a very physical reminder to you and your family that you matter. Mm. And so what that might look like is you've got a little cushion set up where you go and meditate on. It's your corner. It's your corner. Or it's where, like for me, I've got 
all these weights set up underneath our house and yes it's in amongst dirt and kids trucks and all of that but that's my space Mm. and it says to me that I matter yeah and it says to my family that I matter and and it says I'm still a person yes and while you're saying that two things popped into my head one was recently I was sat next to a woman I think at hair salon and she was a little older than us and she was talking about how she'd just gone through a divorce and she had just completely redecorated the whole house pink. She was like, I have pink rugs, <laughs> I have pink cushions, I have pink light fittings. And she was saying she felt so suppressed in her relationship mm. and she never spoke up mm. and said, you know what, hon, I do want a pink couch. Yes. So now they've parted ways, her whole fucking house is pink. So I was just thinking, you know what, so that you don't get to that extremity yes. of going, I need to get rid of everyone so I can be myself. Yes. Create space in your house. Yes. And then the other thing that I was thinking was, I remember when the boys were little, I read a blog post. Um, I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Jennifer Campbell, who was Mama Lion Strong, Mama Lion Strong or something like that. Yeah. But she was saying, growing up, she thought that her mum hated strawberries because her mum would never eat strawberries. But then she realized that her mum chose not to eat strawberries even though she loved them Mm. because they were expensive and she wanted the kids to have them. Mm. And so Jennifer, I'm sure it was her, was saying in her blog, mums, if you love strawberries, eat the strawberries because you're showing your kids that you matter. Exactly. And this is the thing. If we grow up without our mums showing us that they matter, Mm. the next generation are going to do the same thing or they're going to struggle to change those core beliefs absolutely and it's I suppose that's when you recognize yeah that this all does tie in together and it it does start with us it starts with us tolerating that discomfort of um putting our needs first yeah and going at times it doesn't feel good to be eating these berries because they are expensive and they should be for the kids but I'm gonna do it absolutely absolutely and it's it comes back to that idea of just little things and and focusing on what you can influence in your day. So mm-hmm. if it makes you feel good to have, yeah, whatever expensive organic vegetable with your lunch, if that's something that just makes you feel lights good, you up, lights yeah. you up. Sometimes that lights you get me up. <laughs> and enjoy it. Um, you know, or maybe it's like a particular type of coffee or tea, or you want to get yourself a new mug. And this might sound pretty trivial. I can yeah, totally or appreciate it. Superficial, but it's it's. I think it's really important for what these things symbolize. Oh, it runs deep. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. What it, what it symbolizes to it. you and, and to people in your home as well, I think. Um, and I think just one other strategy, if I can think of, for what you can do as a parent to increase that vibrancy and calm and joy. This is one of my favorite ones. And we all do it, but we forget it at times, but it totally saves our ass and it prevents depression mm-hmm. is forethought so it's thinking ahead looking after future living absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. it's being able to say okay um i know i find afternoons really tricky because the kids are going a bit crazy i'm really tired i'm really tired at that point and i don't want to be doing we're both really tired right now <laughs> it's like 10 to 9 Olivia and i are like Ugh. um but it's you know it's like i don't want to be preparing dinner at that time and that adds stress and chaos 
to the house. And to me, that's when I get really elevated and I'm more likely to become shouty. Less patient. Absolutely. And that doesn't serve anyone. So it's having the forethought to go, that's a predictable pattern. I'm going to cut up the vegetables at lunchtime. Yeah. And it might, again, it might sound silly or trivial, but it's this. No, it's perfect. It's it's that ability to think ahead. And that's what I mean by it's just these small strategies we can implement daily, which look after our mood. 100%. It's like I have said before on Instagram, I will get the boys' shoes out Mm. and untie their knotty little Mm. shoelaces because they tie 45 million knots in their shoelaces (laughs) and there's four shoes and I will untie them. And I put their socks in them. And yes. then in the morning, I don't have to sit there when I'm running late or when I'm trying to get yes. them in the car and I'm cursing at these knots. Little stuff. Yes. You know, packing the school bag the night before, getting the home readers. Just yes. looking after future you is so powerful. It, it makes a big difference. And, you know, I think it's it's really important to put out there, like, again, I, I don't do this perfectly every day. It's more that awareness of just knowing, okay, engaging forethought. helps me out and there might be some nights where I'm too tired and I don't get stuff ready for the next day and that's okay you know future Libby will have to cop that yeah but it's just about knowing that you have that ability to think ahead and do something now to make your future experience easier Mm, I really I love that and I definitely live by it and I think that they're all really achievable strategies that busy parents can certainly implement Mm. um this has been a really really powerful like I love this there's so many great takeaways um from this episode I feel like we could just keep talking and talking and talking and you're gonna have to come back every week for an episode um I'm already like oh we need to talk about relationships we need to get like there's so much but because it has been going for a little while now I will let you go but before you go for anyone wanting to learn more about you or where to find you Give us all of your details. All of my details. Well, all of your info. <laughs> there's actually not too many details. I suppose the best place to find me is on Instagram as the Women's Psychologist. I have a web page connected to that. Needs a bit of work. So stay on my Instagram page. <laughs> Do not click the <laughs> link in a There's not much on the web page. But on Instagram, I'm really trying to – my goal there is to just create content that's useful. And it is. I really I really want to create the content that I needed to see yeah. um, when I was really in a really tough space. And really just I'm, – I'm so big on practical strategies. Like yeah. I love – the theory behind things and sometimes we need to understand all of that but I feel like for all of us as individuals we just want to know what do I need to do right now yeah what can I do right now to make myself feel better to have some courage to what's the next step what's the next step so yeah I'm on Instagram as a women's psychologist I do practice out of a clinic in northern New South Wales um all of my details for that are on my website if anyone wants to come and see me um, and yeah, hang around on Instagram because hopefully I'm looking at in the rest of this year and start of next year, I'm going to be advertising for some online courses to, um, download if you're interested. Yeah. Big things are coming. Yes. So we will keep you in the loop. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been thank you, Kylie. really informative. I hope so. I just, obviously, yeah, I love this stuff and I could literally talk for hours and I could listen to you <laughs> talk for hours. So you'll have to come back, but yes. thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Even on a budget, 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.